every 10 or 15 years, a film is produced that is so overwhelming, so forceful in its impact, that it becomes deeply embedded in the mind. Persons under 18 will not be admitted. This is Kenny Lee Lewis from the Steve Muller Band. Hey, what's up? This is Jeremy Palco from The Walking Dead, and this is Still Toking Wit. Hey, everybody. This is Ed Scalia, and I'm going to be on Still Toking Wit on Dorkinate. Podcast Network. Be there. Hey, hey, happy Wednesday, everybody. You're watching Still Token with my name's Leo. I'm Monkey Behind the Yeah. <laughs> I'm the monkey behind the keyboard, and we have awesome show scheduled for you as always. And uh, hey, Benjamin, I got a question for you. Actually, I need to ask you to do something. What's that? Show me that smile again. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, you hit all the okay, right. Did buttons. I miss something? I don't know. What, what's with the smile? Wait, 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 oh my god, right. you guys are not fans. What the fuck? It's not your turn. Uh, you, you, you know, Jeff, don't waste another what? minute on your crying, you know? Right, right. But I do want to say, you hit all the right buttons, but for some reason, um, your tongue was twisted. Yes, it was. But it's okay. It's all right. I mean, it wouldn't be a live show if we didn't take it off the track, like, instantly. <laughs> Hell yeah. But no, I'm super, I'm super psyched about tonight, man. Um, our guest, like I said, we've had a ton of great guests, and they just keep getting better and better. Um. I grew up, well, I shouldn't say grew up because I'm not that much older than this gentleman, but grew up watching him on TV and uh, age doesn't mean you're grown up. Nope. You know what? I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> oh, by the way, just so our guests can hear us, uh, this is an 18 plus show, so feel free <laughs> to tell people how it is. <laughs> uh, well, you. Take it, take it to take Welcome it to back, me. man. I missed you last week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Leo, I don't know. That was pretty bad, man. I wasn't here. You weren't here. Hey, I, 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 I was still here. I just wasn't on camera. It's it's uh I, I ran the show from the background. So yeah, you took him off his leash, and man, he was peeing on every fire hydrant he could find. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> anyway, happy Wednesday. Uh, we uh, we got Memorial Day weekend coming up. Uh, I hope people are doing some great things. Looks like the weather's going to be fantastic, at least where we are. You know, so I'm happy about that because originally it was going to rain. So, but let's get on with this. Uh, yeah, most let's. people are going to recognize and know this guy from uh, 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 Growing Pains, which we all go through. Let's just bring him right in. Let's welcome Jeremy Miller. Hey, guys. How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Welcome uh, to the show, my man. He's he's already regretting it. He was like, oh. "Not a bit." Are you kidding? This is this is my style. <laughs> he was like, and, and I love it. He was the only one that got my references. You, you guys, you you make me sick. You know that. Dude, listen, listen. Okay. All right. Well. All right. Do me a favor and explain that reference to me. It's the theme song to the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it no. that was kind of the iconic theme song. Show me that smile again and all that. It was B.J. Thomas, and. Uh, God, it was honestly Stephen Dorff wrote that. Um, his son, I grew up with Andrew Dorff and Stephen Dorff, both of his sons. Um, you know, Stephen's an amazing actor, he's been out mm-hmm. there for years doing a bunch of independent, really great films now. And man, Stephen was a legend, he wrote practically every theme song in the 80s and 90s that you heard, right. those were his. Okay. <laughs> All right, so we have to get him on a show so I can yell at him because I hum that shit all day long. <laughs> just saying, just saying. It's one of those things. It gets stuck in there. Oh, yeah, it definitely does. 
You know, I mean, I remember the show. I, you know, I used to catch it here and there in between things. But uh, I will say that uh, I probably was either too high or too fucked up to remember much about it. <laughs> well, <laughs> because like you was, said, that was, at that, that age, you were a little right. older. So, you know, that makes sense. <laughs> right, right. Mid, You know, early to mid-20s, that's when that show was on. And Yep. I mean, that man, is that a dangerous part of people's lives? Oh, are you kidding? I was, I was... Woo. I mean, I was 15, 20 bong hits a day and, you know, a bottle of Jack and a God knows whatever else I could find. So, oh, I get mm-hmm. it. <laughs> uh-huh. So you have that, you have that, that couple of years of um, what I call uh, blurred. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right. My, uh, my whole, I went to USC um, when I graduated high school and it was not a good experience, not because of the school or anything else. I just, I literally, I broke my ankle like the second month I was at a celebrity tennis tournament and I shattered my ankle. I mean, destroyed it. So I had to withdraw from half of my classes because they were like movement and stage presence and all these other things. And then I got mono a month later. And I mean, the worst month, like six months, people thought I was doing heroin or doing crack or something. I went from 175 pound athlete to like 118 pounds inside of six months. I mean, my agent was calling my mom saying, do we need to get him into rehab? Do we need help? What is going on? It was, it was crazy. So I ended up in a, in my dorm room for the entire year, basically with no classes an unlimited amount of money and a drug dealer down the hall who could get me anything I wanted in large quantities on four hours notice. So yeah, it was a a crazy, crazy time. I can relate to that. I mean, I didn't have the injuries, but I just sat in my dorm room and got stoned and drank. And that was basically my year of college classes. I went to a couple of like they finally threw me out. I mean, you know, when, you're, when you only when you only get nine credits after a year and a half, that's pretty bad. I think you still beat me. I do. I think I only walked away with like six credits. <laughs> yeah, but I was able to go. I just didn't. That same. I mean, it, yeah, it is what it is. You know, and again, I. I, I I was crazy. It was, it was, I mean, I wouldn't change anything. I've never been a guy who lives in regret. You know what I mean? I mean, right. were, were they the smartest things to do? No, but everything I did led me to where I am. So I, I, I can't, I wouldn't go back and change anything. No, right. absolutely. hundred percent awesome. agree with that. Good, bad, or indifferent. Exactly. Yeah, I, I like how we went from growing pains, to like whew, right to the other side. Like, <laughs> well, we're fast. talking about, yeah, but we're talking about growing right. pains. No, you know, it is you're right. Pains. You're That's right. That's exactly it, it. It is a different form of, but, you know, I can say, honestly, you know, knock on wood, that I've never had that type of, per- that addictive personality. You know, I was able to do things, whatever they were, we'll just leave it at that, mm-hmm. um, and walk away. Like, not a problem. You're a very lucky man. And then honestly, I understand that because the truth is I was able to do that with everything except for alcohol. I I was, Uh, I I had plenty of, I mean, you name it. And if it, if it didn't involve a needle, I did it. Okay. I mean, there's a, (laughs) I'll tell you right now, if it didn't involve a needle, I did it at one point or another, but everything I was able to go, okay, I'm done with this. There's no, you know, no, no more. Alcohol was the one thing that I never could get to that point with. But I was very much like you and that with the other stuff is, you know, yeah. when I was done, I was done. Right. Yeah, see, uh, yeah, I, I'm curious about the reference, though, to the needle. Because that, that interests me because well, I, my, my mindset was the same way. Yeah. You know, I'll I always anything, had a, but if you got if you need a needle to do it, then it's no good. Well, I always had a I'm needle phobic as it is. But my uncle, who was a hell's angel, who was you know, definitely a guy who lived on the fringe of society was also a heroin addict most of his life. Um, I saw him shoot up a few times. It, it's, it, it put me off. There was no, I, I never wanted to touch a needle just from my personal experiences and being around what I saw with him and stuff like that. So that coupled with my, 
needle phobia. It was just never, it was offered plenty of times, but I never, I, I just never touched it. Anything that involved a needle, I was like, hell no. Right. 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 To me, a needle meant addict. It, exactly. Yeah. See, now and, to me, ne needles mean tattoos. And hey, I'm good with that. I That's honestly, I'm a, I'm a huge tattoo fan. I actually have unfortunately never gotten one. I was, I finally had settled. I, I'm just that guy. It's got to be perfect. I'm going to put it on my body. I just don't, I don't want anything. I want something. I had a friend sketch out all this beautiful stuff, great artist. And he did this incredible tap for me that had um, the moon smoking a peace pipe and blowing out smoke. And out of the smoke was my grandfather, my uncle, and my oh, grandmother nice. Very cool. looking over me. Yep. And right when he got it done, I met my fiance who tattoos are the biggest turnoff in the world for her. Okay. Okay. <laughs> like I, not I, just, I she it. doesn't like them. She basically said, you're never getting in bed with me again. If you get one <laughs> and I had to make a choice. So. <laughs> Smart man. Smart yeah. Man. Well, you know, it is what it is, but uh, yeah, I'm a big tat fan. Um, always have been, I mean, given growing up with my uncle and the angels and those guys that I knew, I loved good quality tat work and right. I always wanted one, but I have a beautiful, amazing, loving fiance who I adore with all my heart. And if that's her one line in the sand, okay. <laughs> no, right. well, Stan, I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. true art. And the cool thing about it is it can Absolutely. last forever because after you're gone, you can make a lampshade. <laughs> <laughs> really? Are you trying to make the guest choke? <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. Uh, I never thought of that. That's brilliant. <laughs> is, is that the new business you're starting, Jeffrey? Uh, skin shades. Yeah. Skin shades. I like your, it. Send us your skin. It's 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 got a very Buffalo Bill feel. It's cool. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> So, if you want to know more about this amazing guest, you can check what, Leo? Uh, that would be the show notes, yeah, up above or down below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. But you are actually coming to the East Coast, from what I understand, in July. Yes, I am. At the beginning of July, we actually have, uh, I think it's the fourth or fifth uh, Bedford International Film Festival. And I've been involved with the festival since it began. It's a great, it's a great festival. Um, they're... Their whole purpose is basically to give filmmakers and artists in the business a chance to be seen. You know, people in areas that don't get a lot of opportunities. We've had submissions from Ireland and New Zealand and Missouri and Deep South and all these. I mean, it's just all over, but it's places that don't get seen. And they're trying to give them that opportunity. And the funds that they raise from all of this goes towards classes and workshops and things like that for these young artists to try and help them with their craft. So it's a really great organization. It's a great film festival. And uh, it's in Bedford, Virginia, which is just the quaintest little town. I mean, it's like walking into a time warp. It really is. You're walking back into old time America. It's wow. this quaint little town, quaint little architecture, small town feel. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's friendly and smiles at you on the street. It is, it's literally like a time warp. I, I fell in love with this place. And on top of that, it's right at the base of the, the Great Smoky Mountains. So, I mean, you're just, your views and the scenery and everything around you, it's amazing. I love this place. Excellent. Yeah, hopefully no. we'll get there. I don't think we're going to be able to make it this year, but I, I think I, when I talk no, to we're hoping right, next year, yeah. Yeah, we're hoping to get out there next year. We actually, uh, if if our viewers and listeners remember about, uh, I want to say it was about three or four weeks ago, we had uh, Laura Willoughby on, and she is one of mm -hmm. the creators of the Bedford Film Festival. Correct. And, and we want to thank her because... Without her, Jeremy wouldn't be here. So, <laughs> uh, Laura's amazing. I've known her for many, many years, and she's an independent filmmaker. She's been in the industry for years. She was a casting director. She was a producer. I mean, she's done it all. 
And I've worked on a few independent films with her. And when she approached me about the film festival, I was like, okay, well, let's see what this is about. And I just fell in love with it. I love their ideas. I love what they're trying to do for these young artists, um, you know, giving them a space to be seen, to be recognized and to get their work out there. You know, that's the hard part. So I, I really, yeah. really love working with them. And you know, hopefully you guys will be able to make it next year because that'd be really awesome. I'm sure I'll be there. So it'd be good to see you guys in person. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. What were you going to say, Jeff? Yeah, I was going to say that, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad that things like this are starting to pop off because there's a lot of very talented, independent people out there. Absolutely. And in the Hollywood world, you just can't get anywhere. Oh, no. no, It doesn't, it, it doesn't work that way. No, it's you know it's I mean? brutal, especially for the young, you know, up and comers who are trying to find their way and get this. I mean, it's it you can't learn on the job anymore in in Hollywood. You really can't. It's if you're not established, nobody's paying attention to you. It's really hard to break through. So the more of these type of opportunities a young filmmaker or a young writer gets, the better it's going to be. Right, right. And I think the streaming services are helping that an awful lot, too. Because I agree. A platform to be able to get it out. I agree. That's a double-edged sword. In that, you know, when we had three channels, you had probably a higher overall quality of work hitting the screen because people were more choosy. Now you have more options. There's tons of streaming platforms. There's tons of venues, and everybody needs content. So it's a bit of a double-edged sword in that you do right. give a lot of opportunities to newer people. A lot of work that wouldn't have gotten seen is getting seen, and that's awesome. But the flip side to that is it's a lot of bad content on you know a lot of the streaming stuff as well. I mean, just to be realistic, there is. Oh, I mean, no, there is. No, there well, is. Well, I've seen some fantastic films though. Oh, absolutely, yeah, and, and that's never, I, gone, never made it mainstream. You know? I love finding those hidden gems on streaming yeah. that you just you're like, where was this? What the heck? Why didn't more people see this? So I love that aspect of it. I really do. Well, you even right. get right. amazing. There's, there's a lot of crap too. <laughs> well, there's, there's a lot of crap, but there's also a lot of hidden gems that get canceled for just because they didn't have the right you know amount of viewers. You know, mm -hmm. uh, shows like right. Mind Hunter. You know totally incredible show but i mean it got canceled halfway through you know uh netflix you know they give shows like one season sometimes two and that's it mm -hmm. well, it's good, uh, good thing good thing we can't get canceled huh <laughs> <laughs> now um you have a indie <laughs> movie coming out with uh casper van dien barry bostwick and jason muse has what what's uh that's roach uh roach <laughs> yeah, this was a really fun, uh, We it's a Sharknado style, just outlandish horror comedy type thing. And it's called Ah Roach. And it's basically radioactive roaches that come to kill everybody. <laughs> and it is just, it's dumb fun. I mean, that's what it was geared to be. That's what it was written to be. This was not supposed to be a serious film. It is just a dumb fun fun horror movie and it was great to work with jason it was great to work with everybody on that one um we had a ball we really did uh the only thing that i had a issue with was i was supposed to get to work with the roach wrangler which would have just freaked my fiance out because she's phobic about roaches and i wanted to be able to see her squirm for a while because she will have to watch anything i do and working with real roaches would have just made her lose her mind but the scenes I was in are all going to be uh, CGI roaches, so I didn't get to work with the roach wrangler, which... Uh, you didn't get to bring any home so that she could rehearse? No, that would have been great. I hit, hit a few around the house for her to find, you know. You know? Oh, were you guys using the... What are they, the, the Madagascar roaches? Cause those things are yeah, the big hissing, them. you know, large ones. Yeah. That's, I believe, what the bug wrangler had. Okay. Ben's all. I was gonna yeah, say Ben squirming already. <laughs> yeah, I got a little shiver there. I get a little shiver. It's all. I mean, they don't bother me to the point where I'll run. But if I see them, I'm like, ew. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, no, that I mean, was in our world. Most people that bring up the word roach, they're thinking, you know, yeah, think it's something different. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like I don't know where the clips are. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story on that. So my grandfather was 
you know, mountain guy. My family lived up in Lake Isabella in California, had a restaurant, had all this, but you lived kind of in the mountains. And my grandfather was a hard drinking seventies man, old school, kind of, you know, California hillbilly. And he never smoked, never nothing in his life, never touched anything but alcohol. Yet he found this cowboy hat, mountain man hat type thing that he loved. And it had the leather band coming down from the, you know, the circle that had the roach clip on it. He never knew what it was. He had it clipped to the side of his hat for 20 years and never had a clue that it was a freaking roach clip. Nobody ever told him? Are you kidding? My grandmother and I just laughed about it. It was just an inside joke. We never clued him into it. Because my grandmother was the total other side. My grandmother worked with Albert Hoffman and Timothy Leary in the 60s. Mm. She, I mean, my grandmother was, that's a whole other story. I'm actually just starting to um, delve into her research. She bequeathed me all her family research and her life research. And I was given the task of writing her her story. So I've just begun going through her. You, You wouldn't, if I told you half of her life, you'd call me a fucking liar to my face. I mean, I'm not joking you. That's wow. it's her life was insane. And I can't wait to get it on paper because uh, people won't believe it. They really won't. I'll, I'll be called a liar up and down. <laughs> well, you said Timothy Leary, so I'll believe anything at that point. Oh, yeah. No, she worked right. with Albert Hoffman and Timothy Leary. She was up in the hate when they were doing all the experiments, when it was still legal and they were able to distribute. I mean, she was a part of all of that. So, wow. wow. She had an interesting life. That's for sure. Yeah, you'll have to keep me posted on that because when that's on paper and out, uh, that's something that I would read. I will. I, I definitely I love, will. I love. I love that. I love. I love history, even if it's somebody else's. Mm-hmm. I'm but, the same way. <laughs> you know, um, I think that'd be a hell of a great read. But speaking of reading, you already have a book out. Yes, uh, I wrote a book with a very dear friend of mine. Um, you know, one of my brothers from another mother. Um, Dr. Brandon Phillips was a wish kid. He was granted a wish by the Starlight Foundation um, when he was uh, 11 years old, I want to say. And he was not expected to live past the age of 21. He has a heart condition called uh, Tetralogy of Fallot, but it's basically blue baby syndrome. Your, your heart's not pumping the right blood and all this. So by the age of five, this guy had had two open heart surgeries and his wasn't expected to live and all this different stuff. And he was granted a wish and out of everything he could have had, his wish was to meet me on the set. Wow. That that was growing pains was his favorite show. And I was the character that he connected with the most. He wanted my life. He was a kid, you know, kid from a broken home, only one sibling who was much older, who had to work. His mom was a prison guard who worked nights. So he's home alone every day. And he, he didn't have what we had on the show. And all he wanted was that family that Ben had. He wanted Ben's life. And more than anything, he wanted to meet me, which amazed me. I mean, we had so many wish kids come through the show and he was the only one that came specifically to meet me. So we formed a friendship it was it was it blew me away and i just set out i was like i'm gonna have, this kid's gonna have the best day he can you know and we we borrowed golf carts from the grips and i took him on all over the lot and we rode bikes and we were jumping out of the friday the 13th barn and we were just being kids and having a blast you know and we kept in touch for years created this friendship and we just have been instrumental in each other's lives he credits meeting me and getting to come to Hollywood, this kid from small town, Louisiana. I mean, literally a town called Gina, which is actually next to trout, Louisiana. When he would send me letters, it was addressed from trout, Louisiana. I mean, this is how small town he was from and realizing that, wow, I could go to Hollywood and meet my favorite, you know, stars and all that. Maybe anything's possible. And it turned his life around. I mean, he thought he was going to be dead. He thought he had nothing to live for. He thought he became an A student in school. He started working his butt off and he became a pediatric cardiologist treating kids who have the exact same issues he has. 
wow, that's that's really cool. And, and he credits that to getting to meet me and the impact I had on his life. And then in return, he was instrumental in helping me to get sober when I was going through my alcoholism. So the book is really just about how we've been placed in each other's lives over and over and over right when we needed each other and kind of the friendship that formed from that. Wow, so it's cool. an interesting book. It's, it's a dual biography. So one chapter will be, you know, going through his stuff and then maybe two or three at a time. And then the next couple will go through mine. And each one is kind of how our lives paralleled. You know, people think that, oh, this Hollywood star and his life's got to be so different. But honestly, when you looked at it, my life and his life were very parallel throughout our lives. They were very similar. And that's what we try and show in the book. Well, sounds like a great movie. Well, we're hoping. Uh, we actually are waiting on our first draft of a screenplay adaptation for the book right now. Um, I can't drop any names, but we have three um, production houses, um, including a streamer that is very, very interested when we get it, uh, a you know finished script to work with. So we'll see where it goes. It'd be really awesome. I mean, this this book was never written to be a bestseller to you know make us millions to that's not the goal with any of this it was just a story right. we wanted to get out there and see right, if it right. could touch a few people's lives and you know being able to do it on a big screen and maybe reach even more people would be really awesome yeah it sounds you know very inspirational which i think mm -hmm. in, you know today's world is what people really need oh yeah uh, that's the the comments we get more often than not is right. just how inspiring people found it um you know personally because i lived it i mean i find my part of the book boring other people have loved it but i don't i find brandon's story to be fascinating you know and so inspiring i mean this is a guy who has had every obstacle you could possibly imagine laid in front of him and he has overcome every single one it's amazing wow those are our favorite stories on the show, believe it or not. Oh, you know, I believe it. I mean, very, those are the ones I love to hear. They're very far and few <laughs> between, at least that I have found. Mm -hmm. um, but to be able to bring, we had we had a gentleman on, uh, what, two weeks ago, who had brittle bone disease. Oh right, right. right. Oh wow, Josh. And, yeah, yeah, Josh. Josh, Josh Pino. Um, but he became an amazing guitarist, like. Amazing. And he's a comedian. And he's a stand-up really? comedian. Yeah. 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 I mean, um, but th yeah, we love the inspirational stories. So we'll talk more after. Um, Absolutely. You know, so Leo, where can they find this book? I know it's in the show notes. Uh, did you put it in the show notes? Uh, yeah, so, all his links are in the show notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, in the show notes up above or down below, depending <sighs> on where you're watching or listening to us. We uh, should we also play the um, commercial? At this yes, time? yeah, yeah, it's a good time for that. Yes, that's okay. why I, I gave it a quick break so everybody can get a breather <laughs> here for a minute. Get a breather, just a breather. Yeah, you know. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Georgia Hor uh, Pop and Horror Con is uh, coming soon, but you know what? Just just watch the video. Get ready for the ultimate convention experience. Georgia Pop and Horror Con comes at you August fourth through the sixth, where Comic Con meets Halloween and anime. This year we've got an amazing lineup of vendors selling unique merchandise and collectibles guaranteed to satisfy your inner fan. But that's not all, we've got a star-studded lineup of celebrity guests, including Vic Mignogna, AJ Stone, Michael Hargrove, Don Yeso, Richard John Walters, and the legendary Cherie Curie from The Runaways, and that's not all. Meet your idols, get autographs, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Don't miss out on the event of the year. Get your tickets now for the Georgia Pop and Horror Con, where Comic-Con meets Halloween and anime. Oh, that looks like a fun one. I love doing the conventions. They are so much fun. Um, I'm actually going to mention that to my uh, my booker because I love Georgia and would love to go down. But, uh, man, I love the conventions. They are a blast. Oh, you yeah. know, I, I love I'm a, I'm a people person. I love talking to people. I love hearing the stories. I love hearing, you know, what show mattered to them the most, which episode touched them, which, you know, I love hearing those stories. Um, that's that's the stuff I dig. So I love doing the conventions for that reason. Right. Yeah, well, we uh, we do a lot of conventions ourselves. 
And actually, the reason we're showing it is because we are going to be streaming all the panels live from nice. Georgia. As well, as well as their Maryland show and their Virginia show. Nice. Well, if they still have openings, I'm going to see if I can get in and uh, maybe I'll see you guys. That would be cool. Yeah, that, that would be, be awesome. Cool. Yeah. You know. Uh, speaking of being a, a people person, so uh, if if you get too many autographs, are are you still doing the uh, the Kirk bit? <laughs> uh, the old Kirk bit. I actually got. I got. I'll tell you a story about that. So, I used to when I would get overwhelmed with autographs, um, particularly at an amusement park. You know, because I'm just a kid, I want to go enjoy the amusement park with my friends. But I've never said no to an autograph. I won't do it. I, you know, if it wasn't for the fans, I don't have a job. So I, I've never, I've never understood actors who will turn people away and say, no, you know, it's, I'm going to do anything I can for my fans. Um, but it does get overwhelming. And at, especially at the height of the popularity of the show, if I stopped to sign one autograph, I'd be there for three and a half hours. I'd have to sign 500 autographs. I mean, it would literally just become a mob. So when my, it would get tiring and I wanted to get back to my day, I would pick the ride that was absolutely furthest from me. And sure enough, someone would always ask the question, hey, where's Kirk? And I'd be like, oh, he's here. He's just he's over at that ride. And I swear the whole crowd would literally just ignore me and take off like a cartoon towards where I told them. And then I get to go back about my day. But <clears throat> Delius Kennedy, who has an interview show and he was a part of, oh, I can never remember the band. He was a part of a big boys band in the 90s. And apparently I did this to him and got him in trouble. I was on his show and he told me that I did that to him and his sister. They went running and spent hours looking for Kirk. And because they couldn't find him, they ended up being late to getting picked up by their parents and got grounded. <laughs> so I got, I got called out on a live show for doing that to somebody. <laughs> That's great. But wow. it was just, it was what I did to try and be normal. You know, I tried to do as much as I could at all times, but you know, you're a kid. You want to enjoy your time with your friends. You want to be a kid still. Right. Yeah, that's right. got to so be I, a tough balance. Yeah. I, I yeah. do want to ask you about that. As a child actor, in like you just said, being overwhelmed at amusement parks, I mean, how did you handle that? It just was, it became a part of life. I mean, the yeah. first time someone asked me for an autograph, it was very weird. Um, you know, why would, why, why would anybody want my autograph? Um, but you get used to it and it's just part of the job. I mean, it's something you acclimate to, um, but you got to set boundaries. Like uh, my father, you know, my mom and dad were divorced and we did the every other weekend thing, you know, classic eighties and my other brothers would be there and, we went out to a pizza place to grab lunch and this little girl in her soccer uniform walks by and recognizes me and asks for an autograph. So we think no big deal. I signed the autograph. What we didn't know is she was in the back room, not with her team, with their entire soccer league, having their end of the year celebration. So just as the food hits our table, 300 little girls come out of the woodworks to get my autograph and the pizza's cold and the food's cold and everything else is cold by the time we're I'm done doing this. So my father instituted a rule. If the food had hit the table, you need to please wait. My son will be happy to sign anything for you when we are done with our meal. And that is mm -hmm. something that I continued throughout my life. Mm -hmm. I will still do that today. If the food has hit the table, please show some respect, go back to your table, sit down, relax. As soon as I'm done eating, I'd be happy to sign an autograph, take a picture, do whatever you'd like. Um, but even then you get people who are oh, very overbearing. Go. I have to leave. Oh, I've never even gotten that. What I've gotten was I've had people sit down at my table to wait. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was on a date. I was on, I took my date to dinner for prom before prom <laughs> my, my junior year in high school, we went to Benny Hanna's and these guys sat down at the table and we're like, okay. I looked at him. I'm like, you need to go back to your table. I'm having dinner. 
when I'm done, I'll be happy to come over there and sign. But I mean, I've had people do that numerous times and it's like, what, who raised you? Where, why do you think that's appropriate? Right. Wow. Yeah. But it's those are the kind of things you got to get used to. Right. It is a part of the job, and it's just something you acclimate to. It really is. Although, okay, drug story here. <clears throat> so I went to Disneyland, <laughs> and the girl I was with at the time goes, oh, by the way, I have sugar cubes. It's like, I've never tripped acid at Disneyland. Okay, why not? And she pops me a sugar cube. She takes one of herself. <laughs> And then we went on Space Mountain. So the adrenaline just blows everything into high gear. And I am tripping balls coming off of that ride. And here's my karma. I walk off the exit and standing at the exit is a group of Chinese tourists. Well, Growing Pains was huge in China. Yep. And they mobbed me. And none of them speak English. I am tripping acid and I've got people shooting Mandarin at me at rapid fire. I am surrounded. I can't even move. And my brain is short circuiting. I am literally, I am losing it. And I'm trying to do what I do. I'm trying to sign. I'm trying to communicate. And finally, I just stopped. I looked at my friend and went, I can't do this. And I just shoved my way through the crowd and took off. I was like, ah! oh, I did. It was like, I mean, it was out straight out of a movie scene. Um, but that's, you have to adjust to that. Your life right. is never again solely yours once you become a known actor. It's just not. You, you have an obligation to the people who like you and support you and want to watch you. Your life is not entirely your own anymore. And it's well, something you just have you to there. accept. Right. What was that? They're the ones that cut you there. They exactly, you there. and you yeah. have to acknowledge that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I've, I've, I've. Again, I'm not a name dropper. I've seen big name actors blow people off, and it just, it not only infuriates me. I just don't understand it. You know, it's, it's if, if it was not for these people who think your name on a piece of paper it means something to them you wouldn't have a job they they right. they buy they pay your salary because they love you and i i've never understood not giving that back to them yeah yeah, yeah. i've heard horror stories about that too yeah. yeah i mean jeff jeff and i are the same way um i don't know if you did any research on what we've done we've mm -hmm. done a bunch of stuff in the past but we do a lot of conventions and we've always told each other in the business that yeah we'll just never never blow off an autograph absolutely you know not that we have to sign that many but mm -hmm. you know well, I, I understand but it's true it's just yeah. it's it's a mindset and it's yeah. that's i made my mind up very early on that i was going to be available to my fans as much as i possibly could righteous thing to do right um, absolutely um i had a question only because yeah. i'm really i'm really curious i was reading about uh uh, this movie that you were involved in called Mariguana. <laughs> yep. I've never seen it. I didn't have that. This is the first time I even saw anything like this. Can you just tell me a little bit about that? So Mariguana was again, a outlandish horror style film with a comedy twist. And it was about a, sacred marijuana herb that when smoked at the right time created this portal that allowed this demon to do what it needed to do, but it kept people safe. When it was smoked at the wrong time, it allowed this demonic iguana thing to enter our dimension and basically kill everybody. <laughs> so I was the, um, I was the dealer of the, questionable marijuana that you know i was the guy who was like are you sure you want to do this uh, you don't know what you're getting into it's not the right you know all that kind of stuff it was just again a fun horror 
slapsticky type of a thing. Um, hasn't been released yet, as far as I know. Um, I'm never quite sure when the indies I've worked on have dropped on streaming or wherever else, but I'm pretty sure that one's not out yet. But uh, hopefully it'll it, yeah. you know, hopefully it'll get a distribution soon. I know they're talking to people, but again, it's just a fun, you know, it's a goofy, outlandish horror comedy type thing. Right up my alley. Yep. Oh, yeah. No, a lot of fun. Excellent. Okay. Now, when I saw that, that was one of the main questions I wanted to ask because I needed to know more about Maragua. <laughs> yeah, it's right. a uh, a demonic iguana that is summoned by smoking the right sacred herb at the wrong time. <laughs> so Yeah, which and- can happen almost at any time. You don't even need an iguana. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that that is true. So, but like like Jeff said, that's an independent film, mm-hmm. and you are going to be like I said here on the East Coast at Bedford Film Festival in July. Yep. Um, but you're going to be doing. Did you say a class? Yes, that's actually how we're going to be kicking off the film festival this year. Is I'm going to be doing one of my uh, cooking demonstration classes. I'm a chef. I actually went to Cordon Bleu after uh, I dropped out of college, and I've always had a passion for cooking. My grandmother had a restaurant. I on the on our hiatuses over the summer when we weren't filming Growing Pains, I would go up and I'd work in Grandma's restaurant. And you know, I, I always had a love of cooking. I mm-hmm. was in the kitchen with her from the time I was three years old. And it was just something I always loved and had a passion for. And I'm very blessed in that I have two things that I can do that make me happy. Two passions I really enjoy chasing. So when the acting's not as busy, I can do my catering and my cooking and private chef stuff and teach my classes. And when I have a gig, I put that on the back burner and I you know, do my acting and my filming. And I'm just very blessed to have two avenues that I'm really passionate about that I really enjoy that can, you know help pay the bills. So yeah, that's one of the things I'll be doing. Uh, Honestly, I don't have a specialty per se. I'm very ADHD um, or sorry, very ADD. I don't have the hyperactive, but I am, I'm Mr. Squirrel. Um, That's just, that's, that's just me. Um, So it all depends on the mood I'm in. I mean, I, I have a real affinity for Italian, but I also, traveled to China and studied Asian and Southeast Asian cooking, Thai and um, Mandarin and all these different. So it all depends on the mood I'm in. I mean, one day you might find me out on my smoker, you know, smoking ribs or brisket for 16 hours. The next day I'm inside making Sunday gravy Italian style with, you know, all this different stuff. And so I don't really have a specialty. Um, my soups have always been one of my strong points. I, I love cooking soups and I, if I can brag on myself, I, soups are one of my top things that I can make. Everybody loves my different soups that I do, but for cuisines, I was classically French trained going to Cordon Bleu. I've studied Indian and Vietnamese and Southeast Asian and Chinese and Japanese, um, Italian. Again, I honestly feel like I should have been born Italian for the affinity I have for cooking Italian food. Um, My new so it's friend. really, it's really well, all plus, over the place. Plus you're talking but, with your hands too. So yeah. Oh yeah. They always. So I really <laughs> should have been born Italian, but I just, It's one of the reasons why I never got into working in a restaurant full time, because I like cooking so much different stuff. That's why I gravitated towards catering um, and doing, you know, home chef and private chef stuff, because I can I can vary it. I don't have to cook the same thing all the time. I can, you know, cater the dishes to whatever they want. So it can be eclectic. It can be one style, but I'm never pigeonholed into one thing. Cool. So, yeah, the class will be very, if you remember the old Emerald Live show where he would cook, but he had a little island where there's maybe six to ten people, and those would be the people who got to try what he was cooking. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing we're going to be doing. Well, I believe we'll have between eight and ten VIPs around the table with me, and I'll be cooking directly for them and teaching them four or five different dishes. Um we also, where we're doing it, they have a full staff of, of cooks and chefs and a full kitchen. They will be cooking my menu 
for the audience and for the rest of the people who attend and buy tickets to this um, demonstration. So everyone's going to get to try my recipes and stuff and get to have a good meal. So, yeah, that's what we're doing. Wow. That's what we're kicking it off. All the proceeds um, are going towards the Bedford Film Festival. And, uh, yeah, that's that's one of the fun things cool. I get to do. Do you deliver? <laughs> I <laughs> wish. Right? You know, East Coast Italian, please. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I'm going to rephrase Jeff's question real quick. What mm -hmm. is your favorite dish to make? Mm. My favorite dish to make is probably Sunday gravy. You know, I, I really go all out. I get the I get the veal. I make the meatballs. I get, you know, pork on the bone. I do the whole thing and it simmers for hours. It's just something about the alchemy of it, throwing in all these random ingredients that seem so, un, you know, unattached and having magic come out at the end. You know, it, it started in the morning, cook it for like eight hours till all the meat's tender. You take all that out and serve it on the side with a nice pasta and a vegetable or whatever, but probably making a good Sunday gravy is my favorite because it's just, it's very relaxing, but mm. there's something magical about throwing all this random stuff in there and having this magic elixir, you know, transform at the end. Wow. Well, sounds okay. like me going through the fridge with leftovers. Just throw it all together. Hey, if you got the ability to do that, you're good. Because right? <laughs> most chefs, that's where they have a hard time. It's, oh, God, what do I do with all these leftovers? Okay, we'll do this. We'll do that. But if you already got that, you're ahead of the game. <laughs> yeah, they're right? not all successful. <laughs> <laughs> hey, neither are mine. So Nice. Who added that? <laughs> that don't belong in here. So, folks. <laughs> If, if you're available at the first weekend in July, correct? Yep. First weekend of July. I believe um, the film festival is going to be that 4th of July weekend. Mm -hmm. And the day before that, I think on Thursday or Friday is the day we'll be doing our cooking demonstrations. So, yeah, if you're in the area or even if you can just, I mean, if you're near and you can travel, believe me, it's going to be a ball. We have people coming down from Philly. We have people coming down from New York that want to check it out. The film festival is a blast. You'll see a lot of, you know, good shorts and, and independent stuff, but you get to meet a lot of great people. We're having a few good panels. And, um, I think we have, uh, Oh man, we have a few different, um, of my contemporaries, you know, actors and actresses from the eighties, nineties, and even seventies who are coming, who are going to do panels and different stuff as well as we'll be there signing autographs for the fans, but it's a really great time. And if, if you like a quaint small town, um, you know, that's away from all the hustle and bustle and you want to enjoy some really cool independent art, it's a great time. So if you can make it out, it's a ball. Nice. Now, are there any other um, uh, events that you're making an appearance at over the summer? Um, or is, that the, is that the one? That's the big one this summer. I do have a couple of local uh, autograph signings and convention things, but um, I just started working with a new booker for those types of projects. So I, I, I know there will be more. I'm going to be attending different conventions, different autograph signings and things like that. And we're also talking to a few different film festivals about possibly incorporating the cooking demonstration into other film festivals as well to try and help them out so That's we'll nice. see it's all kind of just getting rolling right now so i'm not not i don't have any dates to give anybody um you know that are confirmed but you know first weekend of july in bedford virginia again if you're in the dc area if you're in the south if you're anywhere on the east coast you can get there in a few hours it's not the hardest so if you got a free weekend believe me you won't regret it it's going to be a great time you heard it Sounds like fun. I wish we no could excuses. make it. <laughs> hey, next year. I hope so. Yeah, we'll yeah, be there yeah, next yeah. year. Yeah, next year. Yep. Yeah, we're planning we're on already it. booked. Um, yeah, and you can find out all that information, folks. Where, Leo? Ah, oh, jeez, yeah. again? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, definitely check the show notes up above or down Isn't... below, depending on where you're watching or listening to us. What were you going to say there, Ben? I was going to say, I mean, when we first started the show, it was always about the guest. And you would say it four or five times during the show that, hey, you can check up, you know, follow this guest. So where <laughs> I was going with that was he can't give us specific dates right now. But what he can do is 
posted on the social media, folks, which is in the show uh-huh. notes. Absolutely. Right. Follow. Listen, I had to break it down. I just had to break it down to. <laughs> and also, also, just to let you guys know, um, my website is, you know, being worked on at the moment. It's going to have my cooking stuff and the acting and everything else. But it is up right now with at least all my social media info and things. So if you don't want to remember all the different stuff, you can just go to JeremyJamesMiller.com and you'll find all the social media links and things on there. I don't know if I got that in the show notes. And hopefully in the next month, all of my, the site will be up fully and it'll have all the dates. We're going to have all the, you know, events and things that are coming up. So that'll be the easiest place for people to find it. There you go, folks. You heard any promoters out there, reach out. Let's pull him into some of these cons, get him back out to the East coast more. Absolutely. I just want him to cook for me. I'll do that too. That's I'll tell you, my my fiance loves to pimp me out. Every new people we find that we connect with or whatever, she's like, you know, Jeremy will cook for you. Just grab the groceries and we'll come to your place and we'll she loves to pimp me out. So deal. Very nice. <laughs> Done. And, uh, and Jar Jar just uh just hit rewind. We uh, we covered that about uh what, about Sunday gravy. Time. Sunday gravy. Sunday yeah. gravy. Sunday yeah. gravy, brother. Absolutely. Jeremy. Jeremy, you're part of the road crew. You've got to be quicker than this. <laughs> well, that so, Jeremy, uh, Jeremy, not this Jeremy. Do you um do you play any instruments by any chance? I loosely play guitar. I was, you know, I took lessons when I was younger and just kind of self-taught. I fiddle around on my acoustic and I've got an electric that I play a little bit, but I was a singer when I was young. Um I actually toured a little bit and sang. Um almost had the opportunity to sing at Dodger stadium to do the anthem for the 88 playoffs. Uh, that would have been really cool, but they got a better singer. Um, and I got bumped at the last <laughs> minute. Um, but when I was young, I actually was offered a record contract and a few other things, but I, I turned it down because I knew the only reason they were doing it was because of the show. I didn't right. have I mean, I was a good singer, but I was not a musician. I didn't write songs. I didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't have a catalog that I could do. Um, so I just, I was kind of like, no, I'm not going to do the money grab. You know what I mean? I, I had too much respect for the music business and for, you know, musicians to do that. Okay. So well, I asked because I saw on, uh, I, I believe it was IMDb, you had two credits for soundtracks. I think that's, I I think that's a mistake. Um, Unless, unless it was when I was doing the voice of Linus, because I did sing on multiple episodes of uh, peanuts when I was doing the voice of Linus. So if it was, if it was the soundtrack for that, then that might've been why. Yeah. It's uh, you don't look 40 Charlie Brown, Snoopy, the musical, but also listed for growing pains and Dickie Roberts, former child star. Okay. I'm yeah, not sure unless they used my scream somehow in the Dickie <laughs> Roberts uh, soundtrack. I'm not sure where I'd be on that one, but <laughs> well, well, you know, some people like screamers. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's what Ben Just was saying. known for. So, oh my, oh my, oh my. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, but you'll get an IMDb credit for this, too. Not like it matters. Oh, hey, personal I'll, appearance. Yeah. I'll take personal appearance. It's good. Right, right. Well, Are you still so, um, Did you see that question? Uh, no, I didn't. Leo. Are you oh, still able Leo. to do the Ben's uh, server stream? She meant Seaver. I know. She typed Seaver. <laughs> I am actually um, I would recommend perhaps you guys turn down the volume or take your headsets off but yeah I am capable if uh, you want me to (laughs) oh boy I turned my headset down (laughs) it's for whatever reason they loved having me eat and scream on the show those were like Ben's two gimmicks so and I can still do both. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, you... no, I won't say it. <laughs> yeah, you better not. 
Uh, so when you were on Growing Pains, uh, I think you were from, from ages like eight to 15. So definitely mm-hmm. pivotal years. Um, what are some of your, you know, happiest memories from, from being on the show, growing up on the show? There's so many, truthfully. I had what could be considered the ideal experience as a child actor on a set. You know, we didn't have a lot of the issues that you see on a lot of other sets that I heard from other child stars who were friends of mine. Um, we had a great set. You know, we, ha- we had a 200 plus person family. I knew my my camera guy's kids' names. We knew the sound guy in the trailer's wife and son. You know, I mean, we were a big family. So for me, the best times were when we got to all be a family. Like when, I mean, we went to Hawaii to film. We took 30 of our crew, as well as our whole cast, to Hawaii to film. So it was like a big family vacation. We filmed for six days and we stayed for three weeks. I mean, it was... It was a wonderful time um, getting to shoot the the paste episode. I don't know if anybody remembers anybody who watched remembers that, but there was an episode where I had a school project and I have to get it done that night. And Kirk takes me out looking for paste and we end up running around chasing girls in a car all night. And that those were my fun times was getting to be a kid, getting to hang out with my my other family and doing that stuff. You know, Kirk and I ended up filming for two straight days from midnight till 5 a.m., you know, out on Ventura Boulevard in Hollywood or on the Warner Brothers lot. But it was us and the three girls, one of which was Jenny Garth before she was doing 90210. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we just we had a ball. We were we were just having fun being kids and doing a job we enjoyed. You know, it, it never seemed like work to us. So the times we all just got to be kids and really spend some family time together, even though we were working, those were my best memories. Now, what about school during those years? School, Uh, we always fit in where we could. We always had the onset teacher and you always had to do, you get your three hours of school in a day. That was your time frame. It had to be three hours or more. Um, And I know that sounds like a little, but we had to do a day's work in three hours. We had to keep up with the schoolwork that was going on back home. Um, Our set teacher spoke with our teachers regularly to Mm -hmm. to get the curriculum and to find out where we were. So we had to do the same work that everybody else was doing in an eight-hour day in three hours. Um, And then because you had days where perhaps filming they knew was going to be really, really difficult, you would do what was called banking hours. So you would do more than the three hours on different days, which count and you could save for those days when you couldn't get the three hours in because you had too much filming. So, you know, that's kind of how we worked it out. We do, I mean, in our hiatus weeks where we were off and we weren't filming, we do five or six hours most days in, in the schoolroom so that we could bank time and, and save up time for those, you know, moments where we just couldn't get into the schoolroom because the filming day was too busy. So it was always a juggling act, but we got it done and we had a ball in the classroom. I mean, in the early days, especially when it was Kirk, me and Tracy all in school together. I mean, we, we were, we were a nightmare for a teacher. I mean, Kirk, Kirk had the, the phone in the trailer set up so that he could dial a certain number, hang it up and have it ring back. And then I'd pick it up and pretend that they were on the set and they needed us. So we'd get out of class and we'd, you know, go on the fantasy Island set and play around and do whatever. I mean, we had a ball, we were kids, you know? Right. Right. That's funny. That is funny shit. Uh, Jeremy (laughs) uh, asking any set crushes for you. (laughs) Well, I mean, I was, I had a crush on Tracy from day one. I mean, it's, forget the incestuous nature of her playing my older sister. But I mean, I was, I was head over heels crush on Tracy. I followed her around like a little lost puppy dog for the first three seasons. Um, but we had, I mean, we had amazing people on our, on our so, show. I mean, I'll, because of the question, I'll d- address the females, but I mean, Hillary Swank was on our show. Beautiful, wonderful girl, um, Heather Graham. And I mean, just all these different people, we, we were a stopping point for so many A-listers who went on to just do 
great things. So there were plenty of crushes. Um, I dated a girl from like the second season who I uh, supposedly had my first kiss with. Um, your name was Melanie. We dated a little bit, um, but I never, there were never any relationships with anybody on the show. But being a, a kid who never had the ew girls moment, I, I was head over heels for any hot girl that came on the show. So, <laughs> so on that note, we have about four or five minutes left. An amazing gentleman. We have to let him get back to his everyday life. So any last uh, questions or comments, get them in the chat now. And uh, Don, thank you for confirming. Uh, so by the way, I was never a Leo fan. Not that Leo. Uh, that Leo, because <laughs> uh, I felt <laughs> like Luke took away from Ben. I totally agree with that. Uh, I was tennis. Yeah, I was about the same age as well. It's, it's like, you know, why did they bring it on this new kid? Well, you know, Ben's right there. <laughs> they unfortunately didn't have faith in me. Um, that's just the truth. Unfortunately, ABC didn't think that I could step into Kirk's role and take over. So they decided to bring Leo in. And I was a little bitter over that. But Leo and I got along very well. Um, we were very <laughs> close in his two months that he worked on the show with us before he went on to do uh, This Boy's Life with De Niro. Um, I was actually in the schoolroom with him when he got that phone call from his agent. He jumped about six feet in the air into my arms and was just like, I got the De Niro film. Holy shit, I got the De Niro film. But... That was just part of it. It's somebody needed to step into the Kirk role if the show was going to continue. And they didn't have faith in me to be able to do that. That's I'm not criticizing. It just was the facts. That's what they they decided. So they decided to bring Leo in. I wish they would have given me that opportunity. Um, I was business savvy enough that I paid attention to the ratings and things like that. And during the fifth and sixth season, when Kirk's popularity had waned, um, my episodes were getting the highest ratings. The episodes that were geared specifically around Ben were getting the highest ratings. So I didn't understand why ABC didn't think I could pull that off. If they had made more of an effort to make me front and center and have me kind of take over Kirk's mantle, um, I think it would have worked very well because the numbers bared that out. But for whatever reason, they didn't think I was up to it. So Leo came on and, you know, it was great getting to work with him. I mean, he was incredibly talented. I mean, nobody, no one, I mean, anybody who claims they knew what was going to happen is a liar. But we all saw the talent. You knew there was something this kid had. And, um, you know, it was great getting to work with him. I, get, I love getting to look back at that stuff. I mean, heck, once upon a time in Hollywood, Brad and Leo are sitting there giving an interview and they start reminiscing about their time on growing pains and how they have that on, how they have that in common. That's mm -hmm. special to me, you know, that they can look back and, and go, man, we had a good time doing that. And we look back fondly at it. Um, so I, in the long run, I love the fact that Leo came on because I got to have him a part of my life. I got to work with him and, you know, see him at an early age when he was really just learning his craft and starting to refine it. So that was an honor to get to work with a talented guy like him. But no, your, your comment is, is very on the nose. It did take a lot away from my character. And for whatever reason, ABC thought that was necessary. It was a growing pain. It, it was. It oh, was. Oh, <laughs> man. Did you really go there? Yeah, I did. Did you really? I love a bad pun. Come on. All right. <laughs> on that bad pun. So we we got to let this gentleman go because Leo has another show to rock tonight. I do. This I do. I do. He has to get back to his family. Um, and, yeah, you know, so if you get your questions or comments up in the chat, then uh, I guess you'll have to go to Virginia to talk to him in person. I mean, I'm just saying. It'd be That's great to see you. Leo's got his final question. I, do, I know I he do, does. I That's do. why I'm giving yeah. it to him. Uh, so, you know, one one thing that we always ask everybody is, what do you dork out about? So, you know, we, we know you're into cooking. Uh, what's something that, you know, not too many people know about? Like, we, we've had uh, one person on where he loved, like, sunken ships, you know, the history of, like, sunken vessels and stuff like that. Uh, you know, or is it, like, comics or video games or something like that? What do you dork out about? I 
probably the two biggest things and they're about as opposite as possible but i am a video game nerd i mean i was you know i was born in the era where it was born i mean i had the original atari when nintendo hit the us i got one of the first systems from nintendo to test out and was addicted to super mario from day one so i geek out about tons of video games but i'm also a history buff in particular uh war and mm. you know how that all developed type of history. So I geek out over all the YouTube history podcasts and all that kind of stuff. Nice. Very cool. Uh, Are you playing anything right now? Mm -hmm. Oh, right now? Yeah, I'm actually playing uh, Call of Duty World War II. Oh, nice. (laughs) That's the one I'm into at the moment, and I had just finished uh, Red Dead 2. Oh, awesome. That one took freaking 80 hours so <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the type of game where you know you just live as a cowboy you know just yeah, spend hours just <laughs> which hey, as, as somebody who was always a huge western buff as well that was why i got into that game i mean it, it you really were living the life of a cowboy you know it, 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 through this character it was it was really kind of a fun game and those are the kind of games i get i get psyched on you know something that kind of pulls you out of this and puts you in a in a very different but realistic reality it's fun well if i have a awesome. hard enough time keep my own life going straight let alone playing somebody else in a video game that would be hard for me <laughs> <laughs> uh well uh we'll wrap things up uh jeremy was asking i don't know if you want to share it uh your gamer tag ah that's one thing this is what will prove i'm not really a gamer i'm just a video game guy i don't even know my gamer tag um it's access something microsoft because i have an xbox they gave it to me i've never changed it i've never it's like access and a bunch of numbers or something i have no clue Basically, <laughs> basically, what he's telling you, Jeremy, is he's not giving that to you on the air. Well, it's not happening. No, honestly, if I knew, it. if I knew, I'd say it. But I really have no idea. I'm, I'm somebody who loves video games, but I'm not a gamer. I'm not really. I don't get online and play with a bunch of different people. I've never really done anything where I even need to know my gamer tag. So it's it's nothing that's even I've ever paid attention to. Yeah, you just play the he's single a, player games. You he's know? a that's closet gamer. But anyway, on that Leo. Yeah, we'll wrap things up. I want to thank everybody for watching this fine evening. For me, just Google Leo Pond. You find a bunch of stuff. Could be true, could be not. I'm not going to say which is which, but I run the Dorkening Podcast Network. We got a ton of shows on the network. There's a lot of awesome people doing a lot of awesome stuff. Head on over to thedorkening.com. You can learn more about it there. I do a bunch of other shows. You'll you'll learn about it. Uh, But uh, Jeremy, where do you like people interacting with you on social media? Um, honestly on Instagram or Facebook, those are my two biggest, uh, as well as I'm doing a little podcast with a buddy of mine every Friday as well. So you can find us on YouTube. Um, but I, I, am going to get these wrong. So if I go to jeremyjamesmiller.com and you'll find the right ones, but it's the real Jeremy James Miller and Mr. Jeremy James Miller. I'm not sure which one's Instagram or which one's Facebook. I can never keep them straight. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, no worries. We got them in the show notes. And yeah, you just hit episode 50, right? Yeah, we just hit episode 50. It's just a, you know, two two buddies going over the day's events, the week's events, and, you know, giving each other as hard of a time as they possibly can. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Yeah, definitely check the show notes. Hey. Jeffrey. Hey. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, Thank you guys very much for having me on. I had a lot of fun. You know, that was a ball Uh, kind of reminiscing a little bit, especially at the beginning of the show with some of the stuff that we were talking about, you know, hard life lessons, you know, growing pains, as they say, absolutely again, you know, Uh, everybody deals with it. Oh yeah. You know, as far as us, just go to stilltoken.com or talking with the dead on Facebook uh, that you'll find out everything that we want you to know about us. Hmm. Awesome. that's not That's true. Right. All I have to do is Google it. <laughs> it, dude. It's like it's amazing. You Google Tokyo with the Dead, and it's like three pages of shit. Nice. What the fuck? Uh, no, we want to thank Jeremy for coming out and hanging out with us, just chit chatting. You know, um, definitely get out to Bedford Film Festival if you can. You know, we won't be there this year, unfortunately. Jeremy will be there though when he's cooking. You see what I said? cooking go yeah so anyway to all our veterans and first responders we want to thank you for doing what you do so people like us can do what we do stay safe we're out of here we'll see you next week catch you guys later peace